Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. If you can turn with me, we're making our way through 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 9 to 13. So 1 Thessalonians 3, uh, verse 9, the title of his message is, His Coming, His Coming. As we just read, Jesus Christ is coming back. It's the second coming. Uh, he's going to come back to the earth. He's going to judge the earth. We just read he's going to judge the earth in righteousness and truth. So the reality is when Jesus comes back to the earth, uh, he's going to make things right. I don't know if that excites you, but that excites me. Because uh, uh, we have to be careful because there's uh, groups out there, churches out there that uh, believe in, you know, kingdom now theology. So that's not biblical. So I hope you understand that. That's not a good sound teaching of scripture. So they, they teach of kingdom now. In other words, uh, we're going to bring the God's kingdom here on this earth with us, uh, be, you know, during this time, his kingdom now and all this. So uh, beware of that. That's not a sound. It's not sound scripturally. Uh, his kingdom will come, but that's when Jesus Christ comes back the second time. That's when his kingdom will be. Because some people think that we can make it right, and then that's when Jesus is going to come back, when we make it right. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible says. So, so you know you understand that, hopefully. So he's coming back, but before he comes back the second time, there's something that will happen. It's called the rapture of the church. Are you guys excited about the rapture? I am. I'm excited. And the reason why I'm so excited, because we, we could be, I'm not giving dates, we don't know the time when this, it'll happen, but we could very well be the generation that will hear the trumpet sound, and as the scripture tells us, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord, where? In the air. air. Isn't that going to be awesome? Yeah. Wouldn't it be awesome if it happened today? Yeah. And just so you understand this, it, it, we're going to change in a twinkle of an eye. We're going to be in his presence. Wouldn't it be great if you have your Bible on your lap, like some of you do right now, or on your phone, and it's like, and then there you are, just in his presence. The rapture of the church. I pray you're excited about the rapture of the church. Why? Because we're to be excited. We're to be expecting him to come at any time. We're to be looking up, knowing that our redemption draws near. But another thing I want to point out, so we shall always be with the Lord. So once we're in his presence, we're, listen, we're never going to separate, be separated from him. That's exciting for me. Why? Because well, the Bible could, be, could teach us, well, we'll be in his presence, but then for about 10 billion years, we'll be separated. That doesn't sound good to me. No, once we're in his presence, we're going to always be there in his presence forever and ever. He'll, we'll be with him forever. And in his presence, there's fullness of what? Joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's where we're going to be. But another thing I want to point out before we get into our text, it says, it says therefore, do what? Comfort one another with these words. What words? The words of the rapture. It's a very comforting doctrine. So when, when you hear about the rapture, okay, this is a good test for every one of us here. When you hear about the rapture, are you excited and comforted? Yes. You should be saying yes. If you're like, oh, I don't know. That could be a good indication where you're at spiritually. Because the Bible says you, you're to be comforted with that doctrine. So I get some people that, you know, oh, pastor, I don't know. You talk about the rapture and it gets me, gets me depressed. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's not scriptural. You shouldn't be depressed. 
You should be comforted. Why? Because the scripture says, comfort one another with these words. We should be comforted in the fact that we're going to be absent from our body. We're going to be the presence of the Lord. We're going to be in his fullness forever. So it's a comforting doctrine. I love what A.W. Tozer said before we get into our text. Uh, A.W. Tozer, the preacher of the late 1800s, early 1900s, he said, when he returns is not as important as the fact that we are ready for him when he does return. Amen? So when he returns, hopefully we're ready. And I believe when we talk about the rapture, the readiness should be that we are about, we're occupying, we're about his business. Please, if you don't get anything else from this message, please get this right now. Don't get caught up in this world. It's empty. Don't get caught up in your past fleshly ways. Why? It's depressing. It's empty. Be caught up in the things of the Lord. Even Jesus Christ himself, when he was 12 years old, he was in the temple, and his parents came to him looking for him. Remember that? They're looking for Jesus at 12 years old. And the mother says, don't you care that we're worried about you? And Jesus told his parents, don't you know I must be about my father's business? I pray, I hope, I pray for every one of us here, those of you watching online, those of you are downstairs, that we are about our dad's business, our father's business. Why? Because that's where real contentment comes. Guaranteed, if you're caught up in this world, you're not doing too good. And you might say, well, pastor, how can you say that? Why? Because I've been there before. If you're caught up with the things of the Lord and the things of the Holy Spirit, there's joy, there's peace, there's love, there's hope, there's, there's all kinds of uh, things that God has for you. So that was a very long introduction. With that being said, can you please stand? And we're going to be talking about the rapture of the church, and we're going to be talking about other things here in our text. Again, 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 9, Paul the Apostle writing to new believers, and he says, For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Verse 11. Now may the God and Father himself of our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. Last verse we're going to look at. So that he, the Lord, may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his, can we say that last word? Saints. Lord, please give us application through the simple teaching of your word. Help us to hear what you have to say. I know this word's alive. Please bring it alive to each one of us. Remove distractions from our thoughts. Remove anything, Lord, that would try to distract or, or focus on you, Jesus. And help us to hear. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So as a way of reminder, Paul the Apostle started a work in Thessalonica, modern-day Greece, and his second missionary journey. When he was there, many come to, came to Christ. He was forced out of the city. He ends up in Corinth. He's writing this letter from Corinth. He wants to go be with these believers. These are new believers. He knows that he needs to be there to disciple the new believers. He needs to get there. As you recall, we've been looking at the last few weeks. It says Satan did what? 
hindered him. Remember that? But we looked at that hindrance was actually for the greater good. Remember the hindrance? Because he wasn't able to go there, he had to sit there. And this very first letter he wrote was this letter. It caused him to write letters. Now we have scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit. So God did a greater work with that. So that's what we've been looking at. But Paul still wants to go there. He wants to lay hands on them. He wants to be hands-on with them. So he continues to say, you know, I, I need to be there with you. If you remember last week, he sent young Timothy. Timothy went there to Thessalonica. Timothy came back, and he said, good news. These guys are walking by faith, and they're walking in love. And so Paul gets the good news, and then it picks, we pick up right here after Paul gets the good news from Timothy that these guys are doing great, but he still wants to be with them. So he starts off here, verse 9 again. He says, For what thanks can we render to God for you and for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before God? Paul is saying, you guys bring me such joy. How can I pay render, pay back God for that? I, there's nothing I can give to pay that back. I personally, I can relate to what Paul's saying here. There's such joy in serving the Lord here in the midst of all you guys watching the Lord work with, with what he's doing, these new believers and people coming to Christ, people getting developed. How about the baptism? You guys at the baptism, wasn't that awesome? You guys are very quiet right now. Wasn't that awesome? I mean, come on. People are asking, well, how many got baptized? I don't know, but there was a lot of people. And they, 53, there you go. 53 people got baptized while we counted them. There you go. But it wasn't, it wasn't just the water. It's a, it was the, the Lord showed up. People were realizing what they're doing, making a public statement, identifying with Christ, uh, doing what God has commanded them to do, realizing when they go down into the water, they're, they're uh, relating to his death and burial. When they come up out of the water, they're, they're relating to the fact that uh, he rose up from the dead and that we have that resurrection power in our lives. So just beautiful, beautiful thing. But we're in the midst of God doing special things here and, and other churches. It's not just here, but God is doing a special work. I've been saying this a lot, and it excites me to say it. God has been doing something special with the younger people, and I'm loving what he's doing. And I pray if you're like college age and uh, you're there, you know, career, young career age and all, if you're not a part of what God's doing, I want to encourage you, please get a hold of what God's doing because he's doing a, a special work. God bless you, by the way. He's doing a special work in our midst. But verse 10, he says, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face. Paul continues to say, I want to be there with you, hands on. And then he says to perfect what's lacking in your faith. And that word, I'll, I want to put this up on the screen because it's a very interesting word. That, that word perfect means to equip what's lacking in your faith, to adjust what's lacking in your faith, to mature what's lacking in your faith. It's the same word that's used in Mark 1.19, mend, when they were mending the nets. And, and so they would mend the nets. Why? So the nets could be more effective. And Paul's saying, I want to spend time with you that I can make you more effective in, in the ministries that God has for you. And so uh, as I look at this for application, hands-on, the importance of hands-on ministry. It's so important that, you know, Paul's like, I, I just want to be there. I want to be able to lay hands on you. I want to pray for you. And whatever the hands-on ministry uh, for all of us, if you're able to be in ministry hands-on, it's so important. We have people here that go out on the streets hands-on. 
They're out there sharing the gospel. They're, they're praying with people to accept Christ. There's, a, there's this hands-on ministry that's, that, that should take place with all of us, and we should be in tune with that and what God would have us to do. Because, listen, God wants to use you. Do you know that? Not just through airwaves. I mean, this is great. I, I, we get letters from people to, you know, that tell us that uh, there's not a church in their area. There's some people that they can't get out of the house because they're elderly and they're being ministered to. And that's okay because that's, but, but if you're able to be part of hands-on ministry, I believe the Lord through this text is, is reminding us hands-on. Even the secular world tells us, do you know if you encourage someone, you give them a pat on the shoulder like this, and you say, good job, and you rub their shoulder, do you know that that releases good hormones in, in the person's system? Do you know that? It releases good hormones. It, so even in the physical, there's something about it, but so much more spiritually. I had an opportunity to meet with a young man the other day in his 20s, and he goes to uh, Pastor Chad Williams' group there, the college group and all. And so, so I met with him and was able to pray with him and you know, pour into him and talk with him. And it was just a, an awesome time that we had together. It was so awesome. But he said something that really kind of struck me in a good way. He said, listen, he said, I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for you and Pastor Chad in my life pouring into me. And then he says, listen, this. He goes, I don't know how other kids my age can make it without having people like you in their lives. Is that awesome? And immediately this text came alive. And I was like, I get it. That's why Paul was so, so adamant. He's like exceedingly praying all the time, Lord, I need, to, I need to be there. And he ends up going there in his third missionary journey. But it took him a while to get there. But my point is, again, it's so important for us as mature Christians to pour into those that are younger, to have that ministry. I was able to show up for the men's uh, breakfast. How many guys just showed up for the men's breakfast? Okay, just a handful of guys there. That was great. There's a lot of guys that showed up. It was excellent. But to, just to see the, the guys hanging out, and guys, we need more of that, don't we? That was a very weak yes or anything like that. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but I like when you, you know, say agree or don't agree. Just say no if it's, it's a no, it's a no, it's okay. But yeah, so we need more. Yes, so, and the interesting thing is, check this out. Guys, we, we have a harder time, don't we, really, with communication. Women have no problem at all. They communicate real well and, and all, but guys are a little bit slower at communicating, and that's what happens. So it's good. We need that. So I was excited to, obviously, I was probably the only one here that was excited about that, but there he goes. <laughs> Galatians 5.13. For you, brethren, have been called to, can we say that word together, please? Liberty, liberty freedom. Only do not use your freedom or liberty, liberty for an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, don't get caught up in the fleshly ways, but through love, what do we do? Serve one another. So that liberty that you have, it's not for you to indulge in the flesh, it's to serve each other hands-on, 1 Peter 4.10, it says, as each one of you have received a, can we say that together? Gift. Do you know you have a gift? Thank you. <laughs> All of us should say yes. Okay, if you do not know that you have a gift and God has given you a gift, uh, when the pastors and prayer elders are down front, I want you to make your way down front and I want you to say, will you please pray for me that I know the gifts that God has given me? Because every one of us should say, I know I have a gift. But then the question is, are you ministering with that gift? I didn't hear anybody say anything with that one, but I'm going to leave that one alone. No, I'm going to leave that with you. Okay, minister to, so you have a gift. So each one of you has received a gift. Notice, each one has received a gift. Every one of us have a gift. What are we to do? Minister it to who? 
one another as good stewards. In other words, God has given you a stewardship of that gift that he's given you. One day you'll be called, when you get to heaven, he's going to say, what did you do with that gift that I gave you? And believe me, if you go to heaven, you say, well, you know, I didn't really have time. Use the gifts that God's given you. So as a good steward of the manifold grace, that's a multicolored grace of God. Another last one we're going to look at for this. It says Hebrews 10, excuse me, 610. You know this very well. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. Sounds like a good name for a ministry. <laughs> which, he, which you have shown towards his name in that you have what? Ministered to the saints and do minister. So God doesn't forget. God knows that you're being used, continue to be used by him. I believe, the, the, as Paul saying, I, I want to be hands-on. I want to pour into to you guys. It's a good reminder for us to be hands-on, and God wants to use you. Let's look back in our text. Verse 11. Paul goes on. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ, check this out, direct our way to you. He won't give it up. He's like, I, I want God to direct our way to you. I want to be there for you. And then he says, excuse me, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in, can we say that word together? Love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. Notice it's the Lord that makes us increase in love. You cannot manufacture the love of God apart from God. And he, listen, the mark of a true Christian is love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. But the love that he has for us, listen, it's by abiding in him, spending time with him. And, and Paul is telling these young believers, these new believers, he's saying, just abide in him. God has love. May, may love increase in your life. And I pray that for all of us, that love would increase in our lives. Again, you can't manufacture it. I've tried before. You know, I'm going to start loving people, God. That's it. I'm loving. I can't do it. Because without him, I can do no good thing. But when you abide in him, he has love for the people that are in your midst. He wants to love those people. He wants to minister to those people. A while back, my wife and I, when we were driving back into our subdivision where our home's at, there's these three young girls. They're like five to seven years old, and they, they're so cute. They were, we were going slow, and they jumped out in front of our car, and they were like going like this, stopping our car, you know, and it was so cute. So they came up to the window. We rolled the window down, and they said, we have a lemonade stand. <laughs> and it was like, I mean, I'm like in my pocket. How much money? Do you just take whatever I've got. You know, it's like, they're so cute. But they're like, we have a lemonade stand. And, and, and we the lemonade stand, and all the money is going to go for children with cancer. And I was like, oh. But listen to this. One of the little girls, I mean, she was only like five years old. She was so tiny. She pulls money out of her pocket. She goes, and if you don't have any money, that's okay. I'll buy you some lemonade. <laughs> Is that just beautiful? And you know what I thought? I need to be more like that, to put others first. Guys, we can't do that without the work of the Holy Spirit, without abiding in him. God has love for every one of us, and he wants to use us as instruments that others would see his love. Matter of fact, the Bible says they will know, the world will know that we're his disciples when we have love for one another. So John 15, Jesus said, abide in me, and I in you, 
as the branch, where the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you, can we say that out loud, please? Abide in me. As, as we abide in him, that just means hang out with him. And I get this picture when, when we're hanging out with him, we're, we're close to him, he's here with us, and there's gonna be so many distractions in this world. The distraction is to, to get your mind and your focus off of Jesus. The temptations of this world, every one of us are gonna be tempted. Every day you're gonna be tempted. The temptation, the biggest temptation is to keep, take you away from abiding in your Lord Jesus Christ. And I just wanna encourage you, just keep abiding in him. Before we go on to the next verse, we know that Paul, when he prayed, he prayed this, that they would grow in love, increase in love. Well, God answered his prayer. How do we know that? Because the second letter he wrote, he said this. He says, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as, as it's fitting because your faith grows exceedingly. So their faith grew. And the love of every one of you all abounded towards each other. So Paul prayed for them. In his next letter, he says, wow, you guys are growing in love. So God heard his prayer. And my exhortation to you, if you lack love, and I believe every one of us in this room, those that are watching online, we all lack that kind of love. But if we pray, God will increase in that love as we abide in him. Amen? Amen. The last verse we're going to look at. So that he, Jesus, the Lord, may establish your heart blameless in holiness before God the Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. I believe what Paul's saying, I want to put the definition of these words up here because he's saying that he would establish your hearts. Establish means to make firm. Make firm their hearts for what? That they would, they would realize that they're blameless. That means without fault and innocent, without guilt. And that they're holy. That means pure, sanctified, and consecrated, set apart. So I believe what he's saying, and, and I want to, he's saying that you guys as new believers would realize the cross and how you're forgiven. And because of the cross, you're without fault, you're innocent, you're pure, you're sanctified, you're set apart. And he says, I want you to have that firm in your life until you meet the Lord at his coming. It is so powerful for all of us as believers when we realize when you go to the cross, not only, is, not only are we forgiven, but it's forgotten. We're blameless. I don't know what that does to your mind, but you know what it does to my mind? It goes, yes! The blood of Jesus Christ, his blood was shed upon the cross to wash away every sin that we've ever committed. Paul the Apostle, he said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things behind, I press forward to those things in their head. Uh, what do you mean, the, this one thing I do? Paul had a lot to do, but he said, I'm going to forget those things behind. Why? Because if he would have focused on what his past life was like, he could never minister Think of the guilt that Paul the Apostle would have had. Paul the Apostle, before he became an apostle, remember, he, he was Saul of Tarsus, remember? Remember, he was there when they were stoning Stephen? He was holding their coats while they were, he watched this innocent man get, get uh, stoned to death. He, he was arresting Christians because he thought that they were wrong. And so think of the heaviness that would have had. So Paul the Apostle said, uh, this one thing I do, I'm forgetting that, I press forward. And Paul, the apostle, writing to the, these new believers, is encouraging them. I pray that you realize that you're innocent, you're without fault, until the day you meet Christ Jesus. And I pray that for all of us, that we realize when you go to the cross, it's forgiven, it's forgotten, that we could go forward because we are declared innocent, justified. Don't you love that word, justified? Just as if it never happened. And you might say, Pastor, well, you don't know the things that I've done. 
Well, have you gone to the cross? Yeah, you're justified. Just as if it never happened. That doesn't mean there's not consequences for sin. There will be consequences. But before the throne of God, you're declared innocent, forgiven, no guilt, no condemnation. Condemnation is so ugly. You know, you can become paralyzed if you're under condemnation. And that's what the enemy wants from some people, just to be paralyzed. Oh, it was so bad. That's terrible. I can't believe I did that. That's just so, so terrible. And then, and then they're under this guilt and shame, but you don't have to. When you go to the cross, there's no guilt, there's no shame. Have you gone to the cross? Do you know that you're forgiven? Paul the apostle would exhort you even today, realize that, Be, have it firmly established in your heart that you're forgiven. When you go to the cross, you are forgiven, you are set free. Hi, this is Pastor Joe, and I'd like to take a moment to personally invite you to one of our three services here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor in Huntington Beach. Our service times are 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Please come and say hi after the service. I would love to meet you. For more information, check out our website at ccoth.com. That's ccoth.com. God bless you. You've been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettit and outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. Our new location is at 4121 Warner Avenue in Huntington Beach at the beautiful Huntington Harbor Marina. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.